Okay, we are recording after a long, long time. Yeah, welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks. So the reason it has been so long is because my wife and I have twins now. So we have two, we went from zero children to two children, which turns out is a whole lot of children (laughs) to have all at once. (laughs) So we've been, I think the, their twins are like nine weeks old now, eight or nine. They were born uh, May 6th. So a little bit over two months. So I've been on paternity leave. Um, I've been now back at work for, I guess, two weeks um, and just not sleeping very much. But that's where we've been. But now we're back. So sorry for the absence. How's it going back at work? You feeling like that's happening? Um, The first week, no. The first week was really tough. Just like, I would just sit down and kind of like, just stare at my computer. Because I mean, one, I'm super tired. Two, I had basically seven weeks of part-time work where I would work two hours a day. And so then you come back to, excuse me, you come back to full-time work it's like, man, what am I supposed to be doing? And I was in kind of the brain fog zone. And so it was tough coming back. But this week has been this week has been a whole lot better. Do you have to do do you do you, do you have to do a lot of programming still? Because I know you're I like do, actually. the boss. So I don't know yeah. what programming you do. Yeah, I do. I do have a lot to do still. Um the hard one of the hard parts about coming back is there's really nothing super pressing right now and so it's like there's a bunch of stuff i could be doing um and we have two other developers and so we're you know we're still moving forward um there's a bunch of stuff i could be doing but none of it is super urgent and it's it's just been hard to like sit down and focus and do it um but yeah I, i still do programming but i also do a lot of like managing of you know the customer service team and um the processes and stuff to get all of our data in that kind of stuff but fortunately i'm not strictly management i still get to do some programming Mm, fortunately (laughs) yeah fortunately (laughs) i don't think i don't think i would want i don't think i would want to be strictly management honestly and i told my boss, the CEO, I told my boss this the other day. I said, I think in a couple of years, I'd like to not be management at all. So I, I have CTO and COO, dual roles right now. I said, I think in a couple of years, I just want to do three days a week, just CTO, no like people management besides my two developers. I think that's my, my ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, if... That's assuming then that the company is going to stay about the same size and not grow a lot more. Yeah, I would. Do you mean, why do you say that? Because you only have two developers. And then Mm. like once you get to a certain point as CTO. Can't be a part-time CTO. You don't really like do development work anymore. Although, you know, the client that we have, our infamous Mm -hmm. client, that's like, uh, uh, can I say revenue? If I said revenue, that'd be okay, right? Um, it, they're going to be named eventually. So, so let's not do that. You don't want tracked back to. Well, like, a, you know. Huge company. Huge company. Tens of developers. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, like a lot, a lot of developers. And that CTO, he still programs. He's Which in is there, interesting. He's in there every day. Yeah. Yeah. He's making PRs every day. And my boss also wants to, he's like the owner, you know, and at this point there's, mm-hmm. I think we're close to 20 employees. Um, I mean, not that many, not as many devs. We have this other part of the business mm-hmm. that requires different expertise. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of how we are. A couple devs and a lot of employees. We're like 50, 50, I think. And I, th- oh, well. I think it'll probably be, kind of like that depends on what direction we go if we go like more taking a more consulting type work then we'll need more of these experts um but if we're more into like selling software licenses 
then mm-hmm. we'd go more developers. But I think that, uh, well, anyway, don't want to get nerding out about my business. I, <laughs> I find no, it interesting, great. but <laughs> I don't know who else that's does. great. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it kind of, there's a broad spectrum of like, CTO across, you know, business sizes and percentage of the business that is development and and that kind of thing. Our percentage of business that is development is pretty small. There's three of us, myself included. And then in total, we probably have 22 to 30 employees, depending on the time of year. And we just have the one internal tool. So, yeah. And, you know, there there's a case that could be made for like even in our size company having a CTO, that's not a programmer, but I just don't know if, if we're big enough or we have enough development to do that kind of thing. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you do yet. doesn't sound yeah. like it. It's not that like, I don't think that there's a point where you, where the CTO needs to stop programming uh, mm-hmm. and needs to focus more on the, the main things that a CTO is supposed to do, you know, like building the organization, figuring out mm-hmm. how to staff and hire people for the future and thinking about tech, you know, strategy for the platform for the future and like whatever the CEO, like whatever direction they want to go. And mm-hmm. that turns into a full-time job at a certain point. Uh, but then again, I think like watching this client of ours, watching them, watching that guy program i'm like i feel like probably cto should always do a little bit like it it should be where they're not necessary and in no way whatsoever a bottleneck ever right uh but like staying on top of that like and then uh, then there's probably there's companies where once you get to like much 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 larger companies that would be silly like that would make no sense (laughs) they're thinking of abstractions at such a high level it doesn't matter well maybe software companies it's not true how does our guy have time? Does uh, does our client does he handle like engineering organization hires and stuff, or does I don't know what else he does besides because we only interact with him on program on this one thing, right? Yeah, I, I suspect he does other stuff. You know, I mean, well, maybe, yeah. but maybe he does it because, well, yeah, I don't know. Without getting into yeah. so many details about them, but it is interesting. Right. I like how, how companies split this up. And then also, I mean, I'll say this on the, on the podcast that like I'm in discussions about a role like CTO Mm -hmm. at my current company, like I'm getting promoted to that kind of level and we just haven't like settled on the, the job title yet, basically. Yeah. That's, I mean, you kind of blew past it, but that's a big deal there. That's yeah, exciting. I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's really, I really love this company that I work at. It's super, super cool. I'm really passionate about our mission, and I've never felt that way before about a job that I've had. Yeah, same. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I, I really, really like our team, uh, and the you know my boss is the owner is like one of my favorite people you know ever that I've ever known. So I'm excited to to work at a higher level. And then also like just for me getting to, so like I'm more talking about like a blend of like CTO and product. So mm-hmm. like in the product would be like figuring out like what, like prior figuring out a prior, like in our, in our situation at our company product is going to mean figuring out and prioritizing what work is going to happen uh, on the, the products that we have. We have two and a half kind of right now. And then, potentially thinking in the future of like what other future products we can do and like making sure that, uh, but then there's like the CTO ish type roles, like jobs that need to be done. Um, which is, it's awkward. Cause we like, we have a CTO kind of right now. He's not sure whether that's mm-hmm. what he wants to do kind of like you. And he's like, I'm not sure mm-hmm. this is for me. Um, but there's some things it's like, which now that we have more and more developers and, I, th- I see in the next few years we could grow a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, potentially. I don't know what'll happen, but like it could happen very easily. So we got to have like a plan for what, like, um, <laughs> like we think we don't think about anybody's careers whatsoever right now at all. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you gotta if you want to raise, you're gonna have to like figure out how to like make that happen yeah. for yourself. Like n- nobody's really thinking about it. 
Uh, and then, you know, like there's no, there's no like deliberate mentorship or team building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Just then we heads all, down, build the next thing, huh? Yeah, it really is. And then like a tiny bit of thought of like kind of where are we going in the future with the product. So then like technology decisions, we, we kind of do that, but sort of spread out amongst all the developers mm-hmm. on the team. But yeah, currently we have no product, like uh, no product management at all. Well, I mean, there is, there's like a sort of loose, like haphazard, like it exists because we're very product focused to begin with, like culturally. Mm-hmm. So it ends up, you know, being okay. But like the more it works, it works fine because, you know, we only had like some small clients, but we've added really big client recently. And so that sucks away a lot of like bandwidth from people that would have been paying attention to the product more deeply before. Right. So like we need that a little bit, you know, so in all the process of doing this, and this might be interesting to you, I like, I've been trying to think through like, cause I need to figure out, like, okay, because well, he asked me to write my job description. So I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so w- <laughs> um, the first thing I'm thinking is like, what are the jobs that need to be done mm-hmm. at my company? Our company's name is Software. Um, great code <laughs> for special operations, you know, like mil- elite military units. Um, it's SOF, is that right? SOF, what yeah. software? Yeah. Yeah confusing so yeah i know it is confusing every time I, i'm like did you mean software or software right yeah exactly <laughs> nobody really says the t software i don't know yeah um but yeah so at software it's it's like so i was i'm trying to figure out like what are the things that we need and that i'm best suited to do and i like the product management thing is our something i was already kind of going after which is kind of why I ended up in these like leadership conversations. And so I'm, I'm sort of taking a look at that and like, what are the things that I, that we need? So that's first. Second is like, what do I, what am I best at? And like, what do I want to do? And then like, what's my, like, where does that set me up for what kinds of jobs in the future? So I want to think about that a little bit. So mm-hmm. the, something that I realized is like, cause then we also have, like I said, we had the CTO and he's really great. He's a f- better developer than me. I mean, he's great. He knows a lot of shit. Um, and he's extremely well-versed in everything. And he's like, a well, he's like our friend, Pete Keen. He's a lot like Pete. Oh, knows, knows a lot about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's awesome. So when there's a, yeah, exactly. So when there's a problem, like a weird problem that we have to solve, like we have (laughs) our software runs on prem in most clients. And so we actually Mm -hmm. provide them with hardware. This hardware is stuff that they like throw in a backpack and like ship around and, you know, off and on. (laughs) Yeah, they do when they plug it into the battery or whatever in this vehicle. (laughs) I've learned all kinds of things that they do with this stuff. Uh, so that's a real unique challenge. And for a while we were literally giving them a laptop to basically run a server on. And then, so Carl like invented this whole thing we called an anvil and it's like this package of equipment that we give them. And, <laughs> you know, sounds like the nuclear football, but for web servers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, he's awesome at that. Uh, but I think not to put words in his mouth, but I think he's less interested in like the people stuff, the long-term strategy mm-hmm. stuff. Like he's really just loves programming a lot. And, uh, and he loves like, you know, doing things like setting up systems that are just like, you know, that like really well designed and like super helpful to us. He does all kinds of DevOps stuff and like, cool. That's um, fun. I'm, I'm yeah. with him. I, I think See, that's okay. Cool. This is what I suspected. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well that's what that's why we're good together then yeah i'm thinking i'm listening to what carl's doing and i'm like yeah that rules i love that <laughs> and i'm listening to you talking about like making career paths for people in the organization and i'm like I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yeah so then there's so what i think is there's there's two types of developers there are like carl and you type developers who are, mm-hmm. who just really are passionate about like architecture and, mm-hmm. you know, um, code, <laughs> just like code abstractions and like, mm-hmm. you know, really beautiful code. And 
And I appreciate that stuff. And in fact, there was definitely sure. a time in my career where it was like very much like all I really cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like I've changed and my interests have changed over time. And now I'm on the other side of developer, which is I'm very <laughs> product focused. Like I want to, and I think you have this too, but you just have more of the other type. And I just have almost none anymore, which mm-hmm. is like, I'm very product focused in that. Like I want programming is a means to an end for me. Mm-hmm. It, and the end is doing something super valuable and useful for my business, for my customer or whatever. Right. Like that's that to me. And I could care less like how that ends up happening, you know, and I will, I will program if somebody needs to program in order to get it done in order to get the job done. But if also somebody else wants to do it, fine. I don't care. Like Mm. it doesn't, I don't need to have my hands in that. It's fine. Um, You know, so like, like on this, at this job, that's kind of going to be my role. I'm going to have to program for a while because we don't have, there's no way I could not, we don't have any other front end developers. I'm the, I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's me and we got a part timer. um, Then that's it. And everybody else is going to be terrified if they have to like touch our react code. (laughs) Yeah. So there's no way I can get away from that. But that's fine. I don't even feel like I need to get away from it. It's like I now that I'm focused on like I'm having more ownership over it, like in the in the company as like a more of a leadership position, I'm more motivated to the programming then. Because again, it's a means to an end. Like I'm achieving what I need to achieve for like uh where like where like for our customers, for our company, mm-hmm. etc. So yeah, I really think there's two and there's the developers fall somewhere on that spectrum. Probably with like yeah, a little I think bit it's of a spectrum. Both, mm-hmm. But like prioritizing one over the other generally. So yeah. what I'm what I'm gonna propose at our company is we just have two two teams. We'll have to have overlap, but you know, we could sort of like recognize this reality. Cause I think I think that overall our company would probably prefer to have a product focused culture because we are. We do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more like, let's get a feature done because they wanted to need it. I want to add a little bit more to that where it's like, let's get a feature done because we did some research and we looked at everything that we could do. And we chose that this is the thing that we should be working on it. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? But like, basically a little, like, that's a little like formal product work there. <laughs> I just want to add, it's not so formal, just like add just a little bit of, uh, effort to the front mm-hmm. part of that where at some point we look at kind of everything and then decide, think about like how much time do we want to spend on this for, you know, how much time does it make as the business to spend on this versus like, we got to get this done. And then that's all I'm focusing on for the next, you know, Mm -hmm. four weeks or whatever. Um, But yeah, but that's what I think. Like we're very product oriented. We're, he wants all my owner wants all of our developers to go on site a lot. I am the only one that's taken him up on that. You can imagine that that is a bit intimidating with our clients. I can't imagine. So yeah. like, I don't know how many people will, will go for that <laughs> or developers. Yeah. And there's also a big culture clash between those two groups uh, Yeah, on both ends, you know? Um, yeah. I get intimidated when I like go skiing and there are a bunch of snowboarders around because it's all the snowboarders are so cool. I can't imagine showing up at like seal team six or whatever. I don't know what units you work with, but showing up at a military unit and being like, Hey, I kind of do some computer stuff sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) I can barely hang around snowboarders and geez. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I went to, well, I won't say any of our clients at all. That'll be yeah. that'll be best. We have some that are not like super secret or whatever, but I'll just say I'll just say none. But yeah, it's uh, uh, even I went to one of our you know we call them tier three clients, so they're like regular, you know, military people <laughs> who yeah, are don't doing let them know they're tier three. They know, they know, <laughs> but they like and who are doing like but they're doing specialized work, and it's not like just like a it's like one other level above just like the you know the entire army or whatever mm-hmm. um cuz they, cuz they're doing selection like that's kind of what we do right we help them with selection mm-hmm. and training uh and yeah even there it's still it's a very different <laughs> and then yeah, we have like a, so. you know we now have a one uh woman on our team who's who's a developer 
I'll not say who that is, I guess. Um, <laughs> Probably good, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she, you know, like, we'll want her to do that, too. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. She might be fine with it. But I was just thinking while I was at, you know, this one client, I'm like, how this how will this work <laughs> like it's already yeah, i don't <laughs> i don't imagine on on the like um forward thinking scale i don't imagine the most elite military units are quite as forward as the software uh, no which no. we're not we're still struggling as a software developer community but and at our elite, elite level military it's, units it's only dudes i mean it's just only dudes nah, it's, yeah uh it's a little bit different at the tier three which is good um, yeah, I don't know. I, who knows? Like if they'll ever actually have women at these elite levels, but it, it's like, it just is like, you're at like a, what it ends up creating is this culture of how like you're, you're like on a hunting trip with like your uncle or something yep. like that's, <laughs> yep. I totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I, and I don't, I don't fit in in those no, environments. So no. I've sort of like yeah. learned how to exist there. Right. But it's not my, not my it's thing not either. not a space for me. Yeah. No, it's like, like I did sports in high school, which I think helped a little with that. Cause that's yeah, like same similar thing. So like, I know how to, what I'm supposed to do and stuff, but yeah, that's, uh, anyway. So yeah, we get the we get these these fun unique challenges, and I'm excited about trying to think through all of that stuff. That's yeah, that's what that's awesome. like makes me excited. Yeah, that's a big um, it's a big potential change for you going from going from four day work week and building a widget empire to potentially becoming integral to your job and kind of putting some Hammerstone stuff on the back burner for now. So. We've, we've talked a little bit about it, but just like high level thought process. What are you thinking through there? Well, what I'm hoping is, cause I already talked with John, the owner about this and I told him about our project and he's interested in the query builder. Um, cool. So I'm going to have to demo that for him. The rails version. Great. Um, the rails version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course we, the second version that we built is the one that everybody's buying. <laughs> none of, none of them are released and we're selling it, <laughs> which is great. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I did talk with him about it and I was like, I'm not going to be able to just drop it. And this is, you know, again, one of the reasons why I love this company is because John is like, yeah, I don't know the kinds of people that I would like to hire for this role are going to be the kinds of people that just always have a lot of stuff going on. So great. It's, you know, it's fine. Um, and so, but I, it will, I, I will, it will change how I contribute. You know, there, there will be less, I will have to figure out different ways to Mm -hmm. contribute other than just hours coding. Um, cause this is not, I mean, I'm already like overloaded. With programming yeah, now, are, my brain is... You are big time. I hate programming. It's like 60 hours a week for the last, you know, Ugh. for a good long while. Yeah, that doesn't work. So, so yeah, I mean, to be honest, that sounds kind of good to take a break from that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think this will come with... Uh, should come with a pay raise. <laughs> yes, it should. If you're writing the job description, it should come with a pay raise. <laughs> yeah. So, you and know, if, if you're going from four days to five, it should as well. Exactly. I, yeah. I think it has to. Uh, and if, if it's like, well, you know, I'll have to look at the money with him actually and figure out. Mm-hmm. It, but I'm assuming if he's asking me to do this, that he's already kind of figured it out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so they'll take that extra money and I could put that towards something like I have already, I'm going to start trying to find another programmer on the rail side. Cause I think that's what I'll do is like, cause you're, as we talked about this a little bit, like Laravel community, obviously that is your like strength in our team is your connections there. So it just makes sense for you to basically drive the, the Laravel launch and mm-hmm. you know, that like initial wave of feedback and stuff and, yeah. and licenses and yeah, like all that stuff. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, and I'll, I'll help cause I think we'll have to press pause on the rail stuff. So here's what I'm thinking next, like couple months we'll be finding another dev to replace Colleen. Who's going to be stepping off of that project and can give us the hours to like, 
get us to pull it in, to pull the rails thing into its own gem, um, mm-hmm. do any support stuff, that sort of thing. I will use my money to pay that dev. Um, slash, we also have money from the client. We do so, have money. Yep. you know, it'd be some of that too. Um, and then, you know, it just depends on like how much we need of their time or whatever. Yeah. And then, so while I'm sort of like kind of getting that prepped and thinking through, I got to do, we got to do some stuff like launch wise on that end as mm-hmm. well. You did a good job of getting some attention or, you know, around the stuff, other stuff you're doing with Hammerstone. Mm-hmm. So I got to do something, try and like figure out how to do something in my spare time, you know, right. kind of similar. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I can figure that out. But yeah, so that while I'm kind of doing that, that will hopefully be not too much time and mostly like just like um, finding somebody and like getting them synced up with Colleen and and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I still have to also finish up a few things with our client. And then so uh, I'm basically going to be like trying to like get set up. So that way we can, we can launch the view thing. The, the, I can, mm-hmm. I also need to finish the view piece before we can even launch right. the Laravel one. Yeah. So I'm just trying to like get to the point where I can release and do the view thing. And then we can launch that, not do much on the rail side, just like kind of mm-hmm. maintain and how I'm sure we'll have lingering stuff to do with the client. Mm-hmm. Have hopefully this other person do that and help you with any like stuff that comes up, you know, front end wise. Yeah. And then we can go from yeah. there, but that's it. Like, I'm just trying to like basically yeah. high level, get the client work off my plate Yep, and get somebody. I think like I need to make sure now that I get somebody else who can do work on the Rails side, yeah, and then do the Laravel launch. That's basically yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, that seems right to me. Obviously, the client comes first because we have a obligation to them, and they pay us. So obviously, they come first, and then exactly. Colleen's going to roll off. Unfortunately. Because she's, you know, got a job and she's got her file uploading product. And so she doesn't want to, we assume, doesn't want to keep doing this forever, which is extremely reasonable. So grabbing somebody, somebody who does rails that we could have part time for a long time. Because, you know, once we, once we get rails out there, there's going to be a million there's going to be a lot of stuff to to maintain and fix and tweak and stuff like that. So having that person would be wonderful. Um, I think there would be a lot of opportunity for you to flex your marketing brain, which I know you've wanted to do for Hammerstone for a long time. Um, once once we get like once we get Laravel packaged up, Laravel and Vue, um, I think there's opportunity for you to like you know, if you wanted write marketing pages or landing pages or whatever, and I could implement them. But I know that's something that you really like that you haven't gotten to do yet. So uh, on the Laravel side, I think that, so like the thing that I do really well in marketing is understanding things that I should write about that will be very interesting and valuable to my audience. And yeah, that's you man on the Laravel side. Like, you know, all that stuff. But like, there's some skills. Like, I helped you with your torchlight landing page, which I feel like you mm-hmm. got a really good reception and you know mm-hmm. feedback on. Um, so like, that's maybe yeah. on the Laravel side where it makes more sense to help you. Like, we could like look at your ideas together, mm-hmm. figure out where we're gonna get the most bang for our buck, and then I could help you with mm-hmm. like the, you know, some of the like implementation yeah. stuff. I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's a good point with the content yeah. stuff. Right. And I could also yeah, so like dig into the SEO thing with Buckby and figure out, yeah, you know, what should our strategy be. be there? I like, I can, I can definitely like, you know, do that, do that work too. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's far future, not far. That's, that's out there a little bit. Um, I do kind of want to talk about some of the stuff that I was doing while on paternity leave. Um, yeah, you did want to move into that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I did. Turns out. Um, so yeah, the whole, like you mentioned content for the Laravel community. I feel like, um, I've kind of, in in Hammerstone terms, I've kind of had it easy for a long time because 
you've been working on the Rails front end and Colleen's been working on the Rails back end and I've just kind of been an advisor to Colleen. And so I've been trying to like keep the keep the Laravel hype train going and I feel like it's working. Um, so I've had I think a couple of a couple of big wins. The first was um, I released a package called Sidecar. Um, and what it does is it like, it basically brings AWS Lambda into your Laravel application. So you can, um, like package, deploy and execute Lambdas all from your Laravel application. So like if you have a Laravel app and you need to run, you know, node 14 for something and go for something and Python for something else, you can like bring all of that into your Laravel app and it handles like the deploying, the executing everything. So you don't have to worry about API gateways or anything like that. And so I released that and, um, I, you know, I've written a couple of packages before and they've been like not successes at all. I feel like this one is an actual success and like people are using it in production to do stuff. Um, and I was actually on um, a Laravel podcast that recorded last night to to talk about it a little bit. Um, and so I was really like, I was super pumped about that. And that's one of those that I did during paternity leave. It was like, man, I've got this idea and I've kind of like been working on doing that myself. Why don't I just make a package out of it? Um, and it's become the like, the de facto way of doing server-side rendering um, on Laravel Vapor. So Laravel Vapor, yeah, Laravel Vapor is Laravel, but on Lambda. And so it's like a serverless, you know, a serverless um, product by the Laravel team. And there's been a lot of discussion recently about server-side rendering of like uh, Vue.js front ends. And, the inertia team, which is another, you know, um, inertia is a, it's another thing in the ecosystem. The inertia team got server side rendering working, but you have to run node in the background. And that's what actually does the conversion from JavaScript to HTML. And then you send the HTML back out. Right. But when you're on, when you're on Lambda, there is no background. Like there's no, there's no node that you can shell out to or call or anything like that. And so people are using um, Sidecar to run a server-side rendering process on Lambda. And there's, I know at least one guy, um, there are a couple of people using it in production, but one guy has been messaging with me and he said they're running like thousands of requests a minute through it to do their server-side rendering. I'm like, that's incredible. This thing, like this thing that I wrote, you're now relying on as a critical piece of your app to do server-side rendering. It's like, man, that's really cool. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's been, that's been really fun. Um, I've been super encouraged by the reception of that. Um, and then, and this is all tied to yeah. Hammerstone. Like these are like yes. Hammerstone projects. So that's like part of the marketing exactly. strategy. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's part of the strategy is that, all the docs, all of that stuff lives on hammerstone.dev. And so we're getting tons of good um, like backlinks from you know Laravel News and a couple other Laravel sites that are all pointing to the sidecar package on hammerstone.dev. And then when people are um, going to GitHub, it's under the Hammerstone Dev organization. Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like um, content marketing, you know, engineering is marketing, which is what Buckby always does. But it's like, I could write a whole bunch of blog posts or I could build this package that a lot of people use. Um, and the thing that I think maybe is more powerful is building something that a lot of people use for free and kind of getting people used to the fact that Hammerstone and helpful packages are, you know, related in their mind. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been awesome. And this has all come out of like, it's like, you know, writing the docs for refine, which is our query builder. It's called refine writing the docs for refine. I ran into this issue, 
with syntax highlighting where it sucked and I didn't like the way that it looked. And so I wrote the rendering engine, which is now Torchlight. And to run the rendering engine, I needed Node. And so I wrote Sidecar (laughs) to run the rendering engine. And so it's like, because I'm kind of, because I have a lot of time in, in the Hammerstone terms right now, it's like as I discover, as I'm discovering these issues, I'm like trying to solve them and increase like the developer experience around what I'm doing and then put it out there and hope that it attracts other people in the same way, if that makes sense. So I'm like writing docs and it sucks, so I fix it. And I'm trying to deploy this renderer and it sucks, so I fix it. And that's kind of the chain that I've been going down. Yeah, it's, and it's going ridiculously well. I would say. Yeah, I think so. I, I feel I mean, like it is, which is, the, which is great. Your, your work is, well, obviously really valuable and appreciated by a lot of people. And then it's also doing that kind of consistently like you have has meant like you're, you're now sort of more part of that community Yeah. than you were. Like you're more of much more visible part of the community. Yeah. And you made some really good and, connections with some like leaders in the community as a result too. Yeah. And it feels really like it feels really encouraging because I feel like I've kind of been in the community for a long time and just kind of toiling away in obscurity. And now like it, like I kind of have this track record of like putting out stuff that is um, high quality and it seems like it's all kind of starting to hit at once, which I bet is how a lot of people feel when it hits. It's like, God, I've been here for five years and nobody's noticed me, but it's like, Hey, if you just keep putting good stuff out, like keep your head down and keep working, like it's going to hit at some point. And I kind of feel like I'm at the point where it's like, oh, it's hitting. And it feels really great. Like it's really encouraging. Well, I think here's my here's my theory about like why you're hitting now versus before. Because you're you're you are solving you're working on problems that well, okay. So there's two different things. You did torchlight, which is the syntax highlighting, and then you did mm-hmm. sidekick, side, sidecar, sidecar, sidecar. Sidecar is the is the one that I think is telling here because that mm-hmm. is a really like, um, you took a problem that you had and saw this potential for an abstraction that would be useful for solving this type of problem everywhere. And that type of problem everywhere seemed is, is also a problem that other people are having because other people are designing systems the same way that you are. Hmm. So basically you are now an experienced enough developer that you are working on problems that other very experienced developers are working on, which is like basically the high value problems and the ones that everybody really, really cares about. Like you, hmm. it's like your, your level has finally, I don't think it's like, I don't think, I think that there's something to say for like creating, like getting in the habit of writing and getting in the habit of creating and getting in the habit of sure. putting these projects on GitHub. But like, until you get to the point where like, you can look at the Laravel community, you can look at the thing you're doing and you can be like, okay, this is like a thing I know other developers are going to want to do. And you're doing it in the way that they would kind of expect. And that like, mm-hmm. so it's like, cause usually like I will look at projects um, and this is very hand wavy, high level, you know, sure. stuff, but I just like to think about it this way. <laughs> I look at projects, programming projects, and it's like, why is it that when I see one GitHub project, I, that solves a problem that I'm looking for, I latch onto it versus another. And like mm-hmm. prob- pe- some people say like, it's the marketing of that site. It's the docs of that site. It's the, you know, what I think it is, is that person is thinking the same way that I am. So it's just like a little bit of an extension of like how I'm like a thought that's already there. So it's really low friction. Like if you had written it, you would have done I would it, the have done way it that did. way. Yeah. And you can't do that. Yeah. You, you can't do that kind of project until you've been around for a while and are experienced enough. Mm. And then, then boom, next thing you know, now you're like, Oh, I am, I am now thinking the same way as Taylor Otwell and mm-hmm. you know Adam within and these guys, like you're, you're now right. thinking about the similar problems the same way as them, which means the same as like all the other sort of senior developers. Yeah, that's interesting. And I I kind of think that's totally right. I mean, it, it is that I've 
you know, been around and been working for a while. It's also that I think the quality and the sameness, I guess the, the, um, adherence to, um, convention of, of the Laravel world has increased a whole lot. And so there is, there is 100% like a, a, um, Laravel ethos of how the code should feel to work with, um, the way that you configure it, the way that you um, style it, there's definitely an ethos of that. And I feel like I now have that kind of in my bones and it's just a lot easier yeah. to like and do put you know, it back out. And it's, and it's then repulsive to people that are not thinking that way. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is what Colleen ran into Me when too. reading. Yeah. I've exactly. had the same sort of like repulsion to like the approach that you took with the career builder, but it's not because it's bad whatsoever. Right. It's just my brain has like one way of thinking about how I should like solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And yours is thinking about the Laravel, you know, ecosystem way with Aaron, like flavor added mm-hmm. to it. And it just doesn't. So like the rails yeah. world, JavaScript world, and you know, the Laravel thing are just totally different cultures. And so then you hit, that's what, yeah. So like I, I me and uh, Andrew too, like, and he was looking yep. at it, he's like, what? Why are we what doing it that hell? way? Yeah, exactly. Why are they, yeah, why are they chaining everything together? <laughs> I remember Andrew said that once about the way we do browser testing. He's like, why is everything chained together? And I'm like, it's very surprising. Know, we do a few things, you know, because we just ported it. There's a few things in the Rails version which are a little bit surprising. Which, when yeah. we do a actual like product launch, we got to fix. Like yeah. the because it's like what we just talked about. We have to do the same in the rails community otherwise it will not resonate the same way that your stuff does so like for us like that would look like we create a dsl for building filters like it can be on top of what we have so that way we still have Mm -hmm. the same api and we can run the same tests and everything we can build a dsl on top of it which i i've like copy pasted ideas of this you know a few times in Mm -hmm. conversations we've had but that would be the Rails. is that is that the do blocks that y'all keep mentioning Yes. yes yeah it would yeah. read, it kind of reads like a little mini language. And there's so many yeah. libraries that do that. A lot of Rails developers are like sick of there's a DSL for everything, but that's yeah. just what, what they do. Um, yeah. So, and and then like this can be pretty simple. Like, and it, it does lend itself well to this too, because it's like you're building a filter. It's like massive configuration object. Yeah. And, and we can, we could easily build like a DSL around creating that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. I didn't realize this until I started working with Colleen um, just in, in the advisory role that I'm in. And she was like, why are you, why do you do it this way? Like, we would never, ever do it this way. And I just am like, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was such a stylistic difference between Laravel and Rails. And then Andrew came in and said the same thing on his on his browser testing library. Somebody ported it to Laravel and turned it into like Laravel-y style. And Andrew was like, what? Why have you done this? <laughs> what have you done to my yeah, baby? Yeah, <laughs> magic test is ruined. And I looked at it and I talked to the guy, me, Andrew, and this guy, Mateus. We all talked and I was like, oh, this looks perfect. I love it. And he was like, I have no idea what you're doing here. <laughs> So we, hit, we totally that, hit that friction too. Like even yeah, just like view talking with uh, Laravel. I mean, eventually yeah. I had, I eventually sort of figured it out. I was like, all right, I just got to trust Aaron that this is the way to do it. Yeah. Just like, oh, it seems so weird to me. Yeah. Uh, even view and react. Cause view was kind of not born out of, but definitely adopted by the Laravel ecosystem. And it's very like the way that Laravel developers use view it's very different than the way that somebody would use, you know, React. And yeah. it's just, it yeah, just seems it right me, to me and it's weird. I have to, th- I have to understand that in order to make our open source view package, like actually be something that people will look at and be like, ah, that mm-hmm. slots right into how I would think about this. Yep. Um, so like, I gotta, I gotta think about that. I mean, the worst case is like, I now know how to do, what we do inside and out and I could build a react yep. version, you know, in like a week or something Yep, that would be really powerful and like fit right into 
the React world versus like, because I'm using like the composition API in Vue and I know like Laravel developers are not thinking about that whatsoever. No. And versus like, you can't be a React developer and not use hooks. I mean, that's like... I know, that's what I keep seeing on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and somebody somebody mentioned recently the composition API for Vue and I was just like, dude, I have no idea. Like I've, I've never used it. I don't know. Yeah, well, brace and, yourself because it'll be... Yeah. Because it is like... Yeah, when you start doing the UI stuff, it's like um actually really like hooks that feels like the the right way to decouple the um like the the rendering mm-hmm. and like the the sort of like UI state of an object from yeah. the I'm going to call logic. it business logic yeah. of the thing, which is not necessarily even just like the state. There's like you're doing other stuff. Um, but even then, like even just like the separating out how you're managing state and it's like uh, all these renderless components that Adam Wathan is building mm-hmm. for Vue. Like you could do that with hooks like that. I mean, it's hooks are, that's what they're for. And I bet, I haven't looked, but they have a React version. I bet they do. I bet they do hooks for all their headless UI stuff. I'm sure that they do. Because yeah, you can also world, do world-class developers. Over renderless there. components. That was like a React pattern forever. But oh. now I think it makes more sense to just use hooks. Oh, I didn't know they had gone through renderless components before getting to hooks. Well, you could like you could do renderless components where like you could pass in like a a render prop was what they call it. Because the like React is yep. just a we, function. Yeah, we have right. It's like a function that calls other things and you could, you could pass in another function which you could call in your JSX that renders JSX. So like mm-hmm done you have a renderless function you have a renderless component <laughs> like yeah. you just can use those little yeah. pieces of react to do that so it's just like a pattern that you could follow and now everything is hooks instead of that yeah yeah i think it's better i do because also hooks hooks are like i don't know they're it, it's i like working with function components more than the class-based components i think it's easier for me to reason about them uh Hooks are their own set of challenges, but once you kind of like, once you start writing custom hooks, like I write a lot of custom hooks for software, for example, and mm-hmm. these are things that we can, we pull in and we use, reuse them, you know, all the time. And it's really easy to like pull a custom hook into a component and write a totally different component that just happens to use this, you know, custom Yeah, hook. that's nice. Yeah. So don't tell me too much, but yeah. a hook is just a callback. Uh, is that right? <laughs> Um, no, it's not okay. quite right. Cause it, it, it looks like whenever I see it, it's like use effect and you're passing something through what looks like to a function call. And so it yeah. just seems to me like it's a, you pass a call back through or you pass, you know, params or you pull in a function and you call the function. Yeah. And is that it's what like, it is? It's like the, they get, um, they, they do some magic behind the scenes. So, ah, Okay. It's and it's sort of like hooked into the whole like React render life cycle, so different things oh. happen at different points or whatever. Um, but like oh. you design it in a way because you have to assume that your React component is going to get called a lot of times. Sure. Um, so you you design it in a way that it's essentially like impotent. Like you have to think it Got through, it. and mm-hmm. so that's like kind of the where you get a, a gotchas with hooks, especially the use effect, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, like Dave wrote that whole thing about, right. you write a whole a book whole about stand- use effect. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's a, a whole standalone, standalone site or course or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Use effect over lunch, I think is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like use effects, you know, use effect happens at one time at like the, when, you know, the render is getting called, but then also you can return a function, which then gets called from use effect, which gets called, after the component unmounts and then, but it gets called every single time. So you have to then provide dependencies to tell it only create a new one if these things changed. So, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the weird, the weirdness of it. But the thing is as a experienced developer, it's fine. I'm fine working with that. I don't mind it at all. And I also kind of just, um, I like having that granularity exposed to me. But then I wrap it so that way I create custom hooks for less experienced developers to use, you know, in the project. And then we can like safely uh, use use state. So it can be a, it can be a black box to them 
and you can still get all the power that you need and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. I can write helpful things that they can use. And we, you know, then we use like, and then also, um, like, okay. So say you write some gnarly component that has, you know, like three use effects and like all these different things in it. And then I can, it's easier for me to then say, all right, let's refactor it into a custom hook. And then that way we can think about it, you know, in like a decoupled clean way. So I really like that about hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that does sound architecturally. That does sound like something I would enjoy. It's just, I've never, ever, ever worked with it. Well, and it's also like, I see the argument for class based components too. Cause then it's very like explicit. Like what's like, it's, it's more, it's like, if you're used to thinking an object oriented way, it's mm-hmm. easier to, to do that versus hooks are very like comp composition over inheritance mm-hmm. driven. Um, I, my brain has been thinking about things in some more in terms of composition over inheritance, which is another, like one of the, um, the frictions that we have between like the Laravel piece. And, you know, when I'm like looking at code and thinking about stuff is that mm-hmm. I, the, like in JavaScript land, I've been like composition over inheritance for a long time. Yeah. So like class heavy programming is like, seems weird and clunky and unusual to me because it's outside mm-hmm. of my, the way I think about it. So, yeah, rails is rails is still inheritance, right? They're not, I mean, they have a, they break it down into a lot of concerns, I guess, but it's still, I mean, it's still inheritance. They don't use composition as much, right? No, not as much. Um, yeah. but, but also Ruby's class system is like beautiful <laughs> and really, yeah. really nice. Uh, so, it's way less onerous to work with, you know, object oriented design stuff in, in Ruby versus JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. JavaScript is JavaScript is pretty gnarly. Truly bad. Pretty, yeah. Pr- pretty bolted on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's so like, it's just different. I say, I say it's bad because like, well, I guess the bolted on feeling is from how kind of clunky the syntax is. I don't like it, mm-hmm. you know, like got a new up function uh, and then like functions. Yeah, it's weird. They have the arrow syntax now, which is yep. much better. It's helpful um, for functions at least, you know, but like, uh, and then they have like the, the new class style, which is also helpful. Mm-hmm. The thing about that is it really papers, papers over the fact that JavaScript is a prototypal inheritance Right. system which is very cool and very different and and also like would have been an interesting way for people to think about problems except the syntax for doing it was so bad <laughs> and and it, they tried to make it kind of look like classes so people would yeah. treat it like regular you know classes and so i overall i was that prototypal inheritance was super cool but uh it just you know the syntax there is just it's so different, bad. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to do it. Like <laughs> I remember I used to, this is like, you know, way early days. I used to do projects where I, and I would write code using prototypal inheritance. as like a key strategy and like how I was solving a problem and nobody else could understand it. So I was like, okay, I yeah. can't, I can't do it this way. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I don't, What's the opposite of prototypal inheritance, which I've always called prototypical inheritance, but I don't think that's oh, right. <laughs> okay. Maybe that is right. N- no, I actually, I think it's objectively wrong, but it's just what I've always said. So like, what is, what is regular inheritance? What, do we just call that inheritance? Yeah. Is there, classical is there an opposite of classical? That's funny. I've never thought of that. And it's, and that's like, you have a class and then you have, instances of that class right you do not have that in javascript <laughs> there's that no so weird there's no class <laughs> but that <laughs> there is now the prototype put, there's just a prototype chain is that what it is yeah like we we put so their syntax around it now so you can create a class in air quotes yeah but uh it's not and it's basically like a no, function right. to create um new objects from a base prototype object. Yeah. It's kind of blown my mind. I've never <laughs> thought about it. I've never thought about it in that much depth before, but you're totally right. 
See, this That's is weird. in like my nerdy days where I really cared about that stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. I just care about a different language than that. So, <laughs> um, speaking of the torchlight rendering in- engine, is all JavaScript. So, um, someday <laughs> you'll have to look at it and tell me everything I've done wrong. But it's it it's like it's you know hundreds of lines of JavaScript, and it's oh, that's cool. It's just, it's done my way. So you'll have to help me one of these days, but it works great. It, it works great now. So there's no, I'm so used to looking to look at back end developer JavaScript. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably what, what I would call it back end developer JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else? Anything else? It's been, you know, two months, but we should probably not go for two hours. Um, one, one thing is I've actually had people reach out to me and been like, Hey, I listened to the podcast. I really like it. What's, uh, when's it coming back? And I'm like, Hey, that's really encouraging. It's coming back this week. I know. And we got mentioned on, um, a podcast that I listened to called no plans to merge, which is amazing. Um, it's two, um, Laravel, Laravel adjacent developers who are just hysterical, and one of the guys was like, yeah, I listened to it. It's kind of like our show. I really like it. I was like, whoa. So that's encouraging. That's that's blowing my mind that people listen to I this. I know. I know. Somebody okay. DM'd me and was like, hey, you got a shout out on No Plans to Merge. Also, I really love your podcast. When's the next episode? It's <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> all, all you people. I'm just thinking I'm talking to sean and it's recorded but people are actually listening oh speaking of podcasts did i did i told you what happened with full stack panic right uh you broke up for a second say it again did i tell you what happened with full stack panic uh i think you did you lost a whole season yeah i think i'm just gonna bail on the project i think it just like killed it for me i can't yeah like i was gonna bring it back and sponsor it by hammerstone and then you know but like, so tell me again where the season went. What happened? Well, problem one, I thought that I had downloaded, I was using Squadcast as well. Uh-huh. I thought that I had downloaded each of those episodes from Squadcast into a folder. I'm still not sure oh. that I didn't, but like it maybe never synced on Dropbox or I, something happened and I did not. They were not there. And then. Mm-hmm. We signed up for the Squadcast account, and then we talked about how, like, oh, let's just make Full Stack Panic a Hammerstone project. And right. so I was going to pull it into that ecosystem. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just use our Squadcast account because, like, the, my business is making no money now. So, like, uh, I'm like, I don't want to pay, you know, the bill for this. So I canceled the Squadcast account. They deleted everything when I canceled it. So then when I was like, oh, no, I don't have the the things, you know, saved i went back to go see if i could restore my account they're like no we just delete everything which is very 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 irritating i don't understand that policy um is it gdpr is that what it is or the california thing maybe um so you lost like eight full interviews right yeah yeah and i feel so bad Uh. for those people and like yeah, and you can't, I mean, you could, but you can't go back to him and be like, let's do it again. Like, that's Oh, no, work. I can't do that. <laughs> the magic the magic is gone, and emotionally, it would be tough to get there. Exactly. That is a bit of, like, an emotional hike for me to, like, uh, let's do this again. I still am passionate about yeah. that topic and helping people with, like, dev careers. Yeah. And I think it would be a cool Hammerstone thing to do, honestly, like, well, to pull it into that brand, but... We'll do it. I mean, if you ever want to do it again, do it again. It doesn't doesn't have to be dead. It can be it can be paused for now. Because I know that was something you enjoyed doing. I did so very much. Maybe maybe in a couple of years when you've got a lot of management experience and a little bit more time, you can pick that back up. But man, yeah. that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I put a lot of like time and money into that thing too. I mean, I it's a sunk cost. I know it. I know it doesn't make it feel better. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, ugh, I oh. angry and sad all at the same time. Yeah. The only thing that like that, that's ever happened to me was on a much, much smaller scale. I recorded a one hour screencast one time and only recorded audio. And I was, <laughs> I was devastated. It was one hour and I was, I was devastated. 
that's terrible. And I can't imagine, yeah, eight hours of content. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Yeah. But that's still that's still pretty frustrating because, like, you're recording a screencast. You're probably in, like, take 492 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fin Finally do a good Yes, day. that was the one. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> you open up ScreenFlow, and it's a black screen, and you're like, yeah. wait, what did I do here? <laughs> I remember I walked out of the guest bedroom and walked into the living room where Jennifer was, and I just, like, laid down on the couch and put my head in her lap and was like... <laughs> I'm so discouraged. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it's very hard to like accept it, you know? It is. Like, no, no. Yeah. It's no like it, it happens. I never re-recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, I'm not doing that content then. That's fine. <laughs> the universe has spoken. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel your pain on that one. It's super frustrating. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, cool. I don't have any other. I don't have any other updates for us for okay. the moment. Yeah, let's call it. We'll talk. Um, I do want to talk more torchlight, but we'll do that next time. I mean, we're already at an hour, so we'll cut it okay. there. Um, cool. All right. I'm gonna hit stop. See you later.